So lately, our six-year-old son has been on fire. This dude is a, a little a little miniature motivational speaker. He's been saying things that just stop me in my tracks. Now, unfortunately, he's been stung by bees uh, quite a few times in his young life. And by the randomly, I, I was stung for the first time by a bee last year. Anyhow, recently, my son was, was talking about that, and he said something that just stopped me in my tracks. He said, I wish bees didn't sting you. I wish they just squirted honey in your face. <laughs> he said, I wish bees didn't sting you. I wish they just squirted honey in your face. You, Yes, son, I am with you. I, I wish bees just squirted honey in our, in our face as well. That'd be so much more pleasurable. <laughs> I love that little dude. Hey, we have a fantastic episode today. If you are worn out, if you're just feeling lethargic, if you feel like crap and you can't figure out why you're in this this physical and mental funk and this fog, good news. We have Simon Alexander Ong on the show today. He's based in London in the UK, not the one in Ontario, Canada. And he's going to talk about his new book, Energize, Make the Most of Every Moment. This conversation is really cool and revealing because not only do we talk big picture about the things that we can do to energize, but he also gives some specific tips and tools that you can apply and use in your life right away. So if you've been feeling like crap, if you've been lethargic, if you've just been in that, that, that fog, guess what? You are about to get out of it after listening to this episode before we get into it, I, I want to let you know something. There are three things that can positively influence your life for the better. Number one, the right people. Number two, the right people. And number three, the right people. Just right now, think about the five people you spend the most time with and ask yourself the simple question. Do they make you better? Do they help you grow? Do they celebrate you? Are they excited to see you win? You see, one thing I know for a fact, because I've experienced it in my life and so many of my clients and my community has experienced this as well, is that when you upgrade your community, you also upgrade your life. That's why I want you to check out my private membership community for professionals called Allies of Glory. It's a community where we are committed to making each other better, where every single month we work on upgrading the areas of life that matter most. It's a safe place where you can grow and expand. So if you've been missing the, the element of community and you want to tap in and build not alone, you don't want to isolate, you, you want to collaborate instead, Check out Allies of Glory, www.alliesofglory.com. That link is also in the show notes. I hope to see you there. Amazing things are happening there with our monthly trainings, with our expert sessions, with our office hours and beyond. I want to see you there. Okay, without further ado, let's get to this episode with Simon Alexander Ong. It's time to energize. Hey everyone, welcome to the Antonio Neff Show where I remind you each week that no matter where you stand today, your story isn't over yet. The best is ahead. I'm your host, Antonio Neves. I'm the founder of Allies of Glory, the author of Stop Living on Autopilot and a Success Coach. And today I'm extremely excited because I'm talking to Simon Alexander Ong. Now, listen, you may remember him from episode 50 because that was a big favorite for all of our listeners. I'm so glad to bring him back. 
Simon is a coach, speaker, and author. He works with leaders, entrepreneurs, organizations to make sure they can ignite their imagination of what is truly possible so they can live more meaningful, purposeful, and extraordinary lives. And now this is huge right here. Simon is the author of a brand new book. It's called Energize, Make the Most of Every Moment. Simon, hey man, welcome back. It's good to see you again. Antonio, likewise, uh, I'm really excited about this show today. Yeah, so let's get straight into it. You you had the, the privilege of primarily writing a book over the course of a pandemic, over the course of a lockdown. So I'm curious, do you, would this book, and we'll get into the details of this book here in a moment, would it have been any different if the world didn't change so abruptly? I think it would be. I, I think it would be. And I, and I say that for a number of reasons. Writing this book, Antonio, has been the greatest challenge I have ever faced. Now, when, when people look at it on paper, Simon writes a book in lockdown, you can't go outside. It sounds like it's the perfect marriage to, to get a book done. Yeah. But actually, when you look behind what was actually going on, I became a parent for the first time just a few weeks before I got the book deal. And my wife and I were expecting her side of the family to come over from the United States, my side to come over from Asia. But of course, nobody could fly into, into the UK because travel restrictions were put down and the world just went into lockdown. And so here was my wife and I raising this newborn in which both of us were running our own businesses. And so we had to adapt as well. A lot of my business was speaking in person at live events, but of course, live events literally closed overnight. And so I had to adapt to not just being a father, but I had to adapt to the world of virtual in which everything shifted to the online landscape and also write a 65,000 word book in which the longest thing I wrote before, Antonio, was a social media caption or newsletter. <laughs> I mean, like Going from that to a 65,000 word book, that was a huge jump. So it was the greatest challenge I've ever faced. And so I do think the books would have been different if I wrote it in a world in which I had family over and there was no pandemic. But actually, when I reflect on hindsight, I think it happened the way it happened. And I think the book is probably better for it. You, you know, I went through these challenges. I had to adapt. And I think some of those learnings come through in the book. Yeah, listen, with Stop Living on Autopilot, I had these big, grandiose visions of writing this book at some writer's retreat. I imagine being like in some cabin by myself, looking at these rolling hills or oceans, and it did not happen. And to your point, I think it was a gift because you had to write this book while real life was happening, not when you hit pause and you escaped for weeks or months or, or had people. So it, it's real. I mean, the content is nothing but real. So I think it's a gift to readers that you wrote it in the vein that you did. You know, a key concept for this book is talking about energy management, energy management. It's funny. I think about, you know, one of my vehicles, I look at the, the dashboard and it shows the energy management when it's transitioning to hybrid, when it's using gasoline, all these crazy flow charts and stuff. But for the, the person who doesn't know much about energy management as it, as it relates to them as a human being, could you break that down for us a little bit? Sure. So in yoga, they call it prana. In Maori culture, they call it mana. In my Chinese culture, they call it chi. If you are a fan of the Star Wars film franchise, you would call it the force. Mm -hmm. Now, whatever we are describing it, we're referencing the same thing, which is energy as a life force. Now, we all have it. Uh, you know, when people talk about vibes or vibration, we all vibe at a certain level. Now, 
what we fail to understand is how do we manage it in a way that we are living in energetic flow. Now, many of us are actually surviving, I would say, life with an energy deficit. Now, most of us, when we look at our lifestyle, we focus on the obvious, and that is the physical energy. You know, when we feel tired and exhausted, we straight away think about, I've got to address my physical energy. I've got to get more rest. I've got to eat better. I've got to exercise and move my body more. Now, that is the most obvious when, when we think about energy. But actually, what we neglect are the three other areas. So physical is the obvious, but then there is also the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. And these are just as important because you may be great in terms of your physical energy, but you will probably still be feeling drained and exhausted if you don't address the other three areas. So just to quickly summarize each area, spiritual energy is really about whether you're doing the sort of work that makes you feel alive, that is aligned to who you really are. Because if you look at society, many of us are exhausted, not because we are doing too much, but because we are doing too little of the things that bring us joy. And because we are running someone else's race and measuring our progress against definitions determined by other people. And that is a hamster wheel that you can never get off because there is always somebody else determining which wheel you're on and how fast you're going. But when you can take yourself off that wheel, which many of us did during the pandemic, we had no choice but to step off the wheel, then what happens is you start to go inward to understand who you truly are and what you want. And this is what we call spiritual energy. And it's why often people say that the longest journey we make as humans are the inches from our heads to our hearts. Mm. Never an easy journey, but the most important. And that's why we hear this term, the great resignation, Antonio. A lot of people have come out of this pandemic, part of this great resignation, because they're realizing that what they were doing pre-pandemic isn't the work that was meant for them. Now, when we look at mental energy, mental energy is simply our ability to focus, our ability to manage our own attention. And when you look at the world today, focus is becoming an increasingly rare skill because we are living in the most distracted age. You know, there's so many demands on our attention, whether it's the notifications on your phone, the emails, uh, when you're in the office, everybody wants you to do 20 things at once. Everything is urgent. And so your ability to manage your mental energy will determine your level of focus. And that is important because without focus, you can't make meaningful progress. And then the last one is emotional energy. Now, emotional energy is our ability to understand our reality, but also to look at it objectively. So what happens is that when an event or an experience happens that is unexpected, how do we respond in that situation? Do we react emotionally and get caught up with what is going on? Or are we able to disconnect from what is going on so we can see things from different perspectives. And this is what we call emotional energy mastery. When we master our energy and emotion, what happens is that we get to choose our response. And that is one of the greatest powers we have, Antonio. That's beautiful. And as you were describing that, it made me think about how we all could benefit probably on a daily basis, at minimum a weekly basis, like our own diagnostic where we do our checks and balances balances of these, these key categories. And I think one of the great benefits of working with a coach is because these are the things that, you know, you and I do as coaches to help calibrate people to see which things may potentially be off. So I love that. You know, this is a question I didn't plan on asking you, but you mentioned about the spiritual energy mm-hmm. and how so many people not doing what brings them joy. You talked about their great resignation. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a fun question. Get ready, man. 
Would we be talking about the four-day work week, Simon, if more people were doing what brought them joy? Would we still be talking about only four days or there probably wouldn't even be a conversation? That's a great question. I personally think it, it wouldn't be a, a question that we would be debating because I think that when you enjoy what you do, like we do, Antonio, it can be very difficult to slow down. It can be very difficult to switch off. And that's what you find amongst the most ambitious uh, individuals on the planet, those in leadership positions who love what they do, people who uh, are living their passion, if you will. They don't distinguish between work and play because it's fun for them. You know, this last few months, I've been focused on the book launch campaign. Now, I've not said to myself, Antonio, I think I'm only going to focus on my campaign four days a week. You know, because it's part of who I am, because I'm living and breathing this book and it's a part of me and I can't help but want to share it with every single person that I meet, then for me, there's no, there's no distinguishing between work and play because it's, it's an extension of who I am. So I think that because so many people are working in jobs in which they feel disengaged or, you know, they don't feel passionate about, then people have to come up with solutions to increase productivity. Well, if we get them to work four days, maybe they become more productive because they got a longer weekend to look forward to. So we have to come up with all these solutions. And I think part of that is to counter the fact that many in society just aren't doing the jobs that they were meant for. I agree with you 100%. And I think about, I think, you know, a lot of people, in my opinion, what they are truly are bored. I think a lot yeah. of people are bored because they're distracted by all the nonsense that you talked about before, but also mm -hmm. they're not fully engaged in something they truly care about, even if... Listen, we're talking about work right now. I want to remind myself and remind people, a dream job, in my opinion, can be a, a job you absolutely love or one that allows you to do what you love during the mornings, during the evenings, during the weekends, et cetera. And I don't think enough people are putting energy towards those things, even if they're not getting paid for it. And they confuse themselves by saying, oh, I'm bored. No, you're not bored. You're just distracted. Let let let's shift gears here for a second. By the way, Simon and I are doing this interview on a Saturday. Like... <laughs> My, my family's out in the other room. I have no problem doing this. This is a joy for me to do this on a Saturday morning here in LA afternoon time for you in London. And listen, I'm not, I'm not naive. I know other people have different situations and experiences in their life, but to your point, a lot of my work is play and I've created that in the same way you have. Um, there's also ebbs and flows of entrepreneurship. So, uh, so it must be when before, I'm going on this long diatribe now. Before people say must be nice, hey, let me tell you about my first few years of business. Let me, it was not in the book, Simon. You talk about how we how it's important to recognize. And this was unique, not just our most productive phases of the day, but then you also went further and put identified the week. In years, see, his, I've only typically looked at that from a perspective of the day, but could you delve into, no, look at your most productive time of the week and the year as well? Yeah, I'll give you a great example for the week, Antonio. So one of my clients leads a team at a, at a multinational company. And so after I was coaching him, he wanted to understand how he could be a better leader. And so there's a question I asked him, Antonio. I said to him, when do you hold your most important meeting for the week with your team? And he said, oh, I hold it on Monday morning. Uh, for me, it sets the scene for the week ahead. And we get all of them in the meeting room and we start planning for the week. And then the next question I asked him was, tell me about the general energy of your team first thing on a Monday morning. Hmm. And he started to laugh. He said, probably Monday blues. You know, they're probably coming in, had a great weekend and it's back to work on a Monday morning. So they're not particularly feeling maybe energized. And I said, so it's interesting. 
I just want to raise your awareness about the misalignment here. So on the one hand, you're telling me that your team aren't the most energized first thing on the Monday morning, yet you have scheduled your most important meeting of the week first thing on the Monday morning. Wow. And so once we start to understand the energy of our team, because our team in effect is an organism itself. And he was saying to me, okay, well, the energy starts to get better during the week. Uh, of course, once people settle into the working week, and maybe it would be good to hold the meeting later on, so maybe a Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning. And so he trialed that, and he noticed that when he shifted the meeting, people started contributing more to the discussion, and they had more creative ideas, they wanted to bounce more thoughts between each other, whereas on a Monday morning, people were just generally quiet and reserved and didn't want to contribute. Uh, well, there we go, because they just didn't have the energy for it. So actually, when we look at the week and we understand our own energy, but also if we are responsible for a team, what is the team's general energy over the duration of a week? Then we can actually increase input and productivity by shifting things around a little bit. And that's something so small that I never even thought about. Like Even as you were describing that, Simon, I think about during my corporate America days, and I always had that Monday morning meeting, bright and early. <laughs> Nobody wanted to be at that meeting, man. Nobody wanted to be there. So it's like, I can't believe I didn't have that awareness. So I'm, I'm glad you're saying that. I bet so many people listening to this are going to shift things, uh, specifically if they're leaders and lead teams. But also, you just brought up something that, you know, is a breakthrough for me. You know, many times my wife and I, we have our, by the way, my wife is who first introduced me to the work of, of Simon. Shout out to, to Gigi for, for making that happen. But we tend to have like our, our family meeting, you know, me and her on Sunday evenings where we talk about the week or we talk about finances or purchases we have to make or whatever. Guess when, is, guess when the last time is I want to talk about that stuff? On <laughs> Sunday evening after the kids go to bed. Like, I mean, that, that's just a, a recipe for friction, right? <laughs> so already, I already know I'm going to shift when that meeting takes place. So it's more enjoyable. It's more fun. And there's intention behind it. So thank you for that. My wife's going to thank you as My well. Pleasure. And it's funny. It's funny you, you, you shared that, Antonio, because... The meeting I have with my wife, very similar to you, uh, we actually do that on a Friday afternoon uh, because Friday afternoons, the likelihood you want to do any meaningful work tends to be quite low because the weekend's coming up. You want to plan what you're going to do the weekend with your family, with your children. And so Friday afternoons for us is great to do that because you know, we sit down, we look at our finances, we plan for the week ahead. But also as part of that, we look ahead to the weekend. And we do that while our, while our child is at nursery. So we've got the time to do it. And so we don't have to worry about our child running through the room and then sort of causing a bit of chaos. Uh, it's just my wife and I sitting down, our laptops open, our calendars up, and then we just start planning for the weekend and the week ahead and also look at our finances. Hey, that's happening already. We're, I'm shifting. It's happening <laughs> on Friday afternoon now. What a great way to look forward to the weekend that's done, the heaviness. Uh, and it doesn't have to be heavy. Something else you talk about in this book is a theme that I've talked a lot about in my work as well is the importance of creating boundaries, right? Boundaries with where we decide to spend and invest our energy and specifically where we're going to put boundaries when it comes to people, right? You know, it's funny. I created a community called Allies of Glory, uh, specifically with the intention of a place where people are encouraged, inspired, challenged, pushed, and held accountable to be the best versions of themselves with the right people. I know you have a community, you know, I think it's Energize Plus uh, that probably does something very similar. So could could you talk a bit about the importance of setting boundaries specifically as it relates to people? Sure. Well, just to summarize first, and then I'll dive more into it. 
at a high level, we have to understand that to that to make meaningful progress in our life, it is often less about doing more and more about doing less of the things that are stopping us making that progress. Now, when we think about the things that we have to stop in order to make progress, often that is habits, choices, behaviors, and people we spend time around. So I don't know many people who actually pause on a regular basis and review the environment that they have around them and then make adjustments on the back of that. Now, when I speak about environment, Antonio, in the book, I I talk about people, but I also talk about the things that we watch, the things that we listen to, who we follow on social media, and also our physical environment. Because sometimes all we need to spark some energy and inspiration is to shift our environment a little bit. You know, when I went through a bit of a funk writing the book, as we all do in the process of writing, Antonio, what I would do is I would simply shift my environment. So instead of writing at home in my study, I would go out to nature and I would write with the view of the park in front of me or the river in front of me, or I would go and order some tea at the lobby of a beautiful five-star hotel because the environment would be so conducive to sparking insights and ideas. Yeah, and that's a game changer, like just changing up the environment. You may be at a flashback. I paused for a quick second because you made me flashback to some periods when I was writing my book. And I would go to this amazing hotel mm. in downtown Los Angeles, which is not super distance-wise, it's close to me, but with LA traffic, it's not close to me. <laughs> uh, and how I showed up sometimes in that hour or two hours there, what I got done in that amount of time, the creativity that exploded was so different from what happened at home. If I he- heard distractions or kids in the background or neighbors, all that kind of fun stuff. So I like that, that intention that you're talking about. This has been a, a super fun interview and uh, I can learn from you all day. Uh, I, I want to ask you one last question. I want to get very, very practical for our readers out there who readers our listeners uh, that are listening to this. What are a couple, one or two practices that you would recommend that people could add or, or build into their day to help them you know, preserve uh, their energy levels? Sure. Well, the first thing I would say to preserve your energy levels, and, and I'm going to throw in a little different one on the third one, because the third one would be more how to elevate your energy levels. Mm. So the first one relates to how to preserve our energy levels, and that is to schedule into your calendar me time as much as you schedule in your social events your holidays and your work meetings because when it comes to work meetings and social events and holidays we're quick to put them into our calendar but how quick are we to put in me time yeah because if you don't schedule it it's never real because there will always be something that takes its place whether that's a netflix show uh whether that's somebody else's uh, event as they said oh can you come and attend this can, can we borrow you to speak for that if you don't block out the time for yourself you'll never find that time yeah. and what happens is that you burn out so start scheduling into your diary me time as much as you do all the other things because in a world that is increasingly noisy slowing down is a superpower yeah so that's the first one the second one is to start saying no more often now, what I mean by saying no, it's just not, just not to say no and that's it, but say no in a way that is gracious, kind, and empathetic, and everybody will understand you and respect your decision. So here's a good example. So if somebody said to me, Simon, 
we love your work and we would love you to serve on the committee of this new project that we are putting together. Now, I might say to them, well, first of all, thank you so much for considering me for this prestigious position. It is an absolute honor to have you reach out to me. Unfortunately, I have to say no on this opportunity. But please let your team know how grateful I am that I was considered to be a part of this project. And I tell you, if you if you put it that way, they won't care you say no because they will respect your boundary. So say no, but when you deliver it in a gracious, kind, and empathetic way, you start to create boundaries in which people respect. Yeah. So that's the second. The third about elevating your energy. For me, when I get asked often, Simon, what is a habit that you would recommend from a professional perspective? Because I often get asked from a personal and they're easy stuff like reading, exercise and, and so on. But from a professional perspective, there is a habit that I've embraced over the years, Antonio, which always gives me energy. And that is every single week, focus on developing and nurturing your network. But the key thing here is to diversify your network. Because what happens when you diversify your network is you start to awaken your creative energy. And also, you open the floodgates to opportunities that you were previously blind to. I mean, I'm going to give you one or two examples of how this has helped me in a practical way. Mm -hmm. Now, with my book coming out, Antonio, I've got asked by a lot of people, Simon, how did you get the blurbs of Marie Folio or Simon Sinek to, to write on the jacket of your book? And so just to show you how I got Marie Folio's one, that was a, a story spanning a number of years. So I went to an event in London where she launched her book, Everything is Figure Outable, at a private event in London. Now, I didn't get a chance to speak to Marie, but I did get the opportunity to speak to her hairstylist. Now, you might think, Simon, well, how do you benefit from having a relationship with a hairstylist? And this is the key. I'm not doing networking as a way to get something back. That's what we call transactional relationships. I'm not doing something in order to get something back. I just felt that there was a vibe, there was an energy about him. And so I wanted to connect. And so he told me that him and Marie and the team were in London for a few days. And I said, well, if you're in London for a few days, let me add some value to you. Here's a list of restaurants and bars in London. I highly recommend you check out at least some of them. And so suddenly I became like a concierge advisor to him during their trip and stay in London. And then we started conversing over Instagram over a number of years, Antonio. And then two days before my publisher said, Simon, we need to finalize the endorsement so we can send it off to print. Uh, if we don't get any more, we're going to go with the ones we already have. So two days before, I dropped him on Instagram and I said, probably a long shot, but it would be amazing if you could just nudge Marie and her team to see if they would be up for giving me a testimonial. And suddenly he drops me a message and he says, Simon, Marie will be sending a blurb on Monday morning just to give you a heads up. I nudged, I pushed, I reminded her team and they finally responded and they said they'll get back to you first thing on Monday. And that's how that blurb happened. Now, just to show you again with diversity in networking, I got to connect with uh, a guy here in London who heads up the world's best bar in a hotel called The Connaught. Again, you probably think, well, Simon Alexander on coach and speaker with this guy who is a bartender. 
where's the uh, where's the benefit of that relationship? But again, it's because we share similar values and I wanted diversity in my network. I wanted to be around ambitious individuals who had great energy, but were doing amazing things in different industries. But what I learned is that opened my mind to creativity. I said to him a couple of months before the launch, Antonio, I said, I've got this crazy idea. You are the world's best bartender. I've got a book coming out. How about we come together and you could put together a cocktail, the energized cocktail to mark the launch of the book. And he went away to think about it. And he said, let's shoot this video. And then we took a camera crew down to the Connaught Hotel. We booked out the champagne bar and we filmed this shoot. So when we have diversity in networking, what happens is your energy is elevated because now you start thinking creatively. What things could I do? How could we work together? Or what new ideas can I have that is different from my own competition? So that for me would be the third one, Antonio. That's awesome. Of course. So we said how slowing down is a superpower. Uh, saying no graciously, I'm going to listen to the tra- go get the transcript of this and cut and paste and use that for emails. I'm, I'm gonna set up a template to say no graciously like that. Thank you. And the developing and nurturing of your network. I'm sorry, Simon. I, I can't let you. We can't end this interview if you can't tell us, give us an idea of what's in that cocktail. <laughs> well, I would say if you want to see the full list of ingredients in that cocktail head over to my Instagram page at Simon Alexander O and you will see a video of the cocktail making shoot and you will see exactly the ingredients that were put in. There were things such as uh, vodka, bergamot and ginger. Uh, there was a spray of orange essence aroma. There was topping with champagne served in a circular pattern glass to reflect the circular diagram in the cover of my book. Oh, I love that thought behind it. I'm going to share a link. that in the show notes for this. Simon, I can't thank you enough for joining me. Congratulations on this brand new book, Energize, Make the Most of Every Moment. A link to that's going to be in the show notes as well. Simon, I look forward to connecting with you again and continuing to build our, our friendship and continued success to you, man. Definitely. Antonio, once again, thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you so much for listening to the Antonio Nev Show. I hope you absolutely loved that conversation with Simon Alexander Ong and you apply some of those tools and principles that he shared into your life to energize more. For more information about the episode you just heard, just head on over to theantonionevs.com. And right now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hit that follow button or that subscribe button to make sure you are following The Antonio Nev Show. If you haven't left a review yet, I would kindly invite you to do so so we can continue to spread the word. And if there's someone that you know who would benefit from this episode and how they can energize, please hit that share button and share this with them right now. Okay, hey, I will see you back here next week with another great episode. In the meantime, I want you to remember that the best is ahead. When you work and believe that the best is ahead, things begin to change for the better. Never forget, you have a say in this.